Grab your highlighters. Can't find them? They're probably right there in your pocket protector. It's time for that early childhood nerd podcast. Let's get nerdy. Here's Heather. back with another episode of That Early Childhood Nerd. I'm Heather Burnt-Santi, and I've got Kristen and Katrina back with me again for another episode. Um, they're with Zero to Three, and we're talking about working with infants and toddlers, which we all love <laughs> and want to recruit you all to love also. Absolutely. <laughs> so, join us. Join us. <laughs> the last episode, we talked mostly about the, the actual training curriculum and 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 the, the broader broader ideas of working with infants and toddlers. This time I'm going to ask some questions that, that I've seen. Um, so actually, when I was a toddler teacher a few months ago at a child care center, I had um, a few different experiences where people were, were substituting in my room with me for whatever reason, and they weren't usually working with one-year-olds. And I, I could see the fear mm-hmm. and the uncertainty mm-hmm. and actually the comments... <laughs> Yeah. Um, uh, so, so I, I was thinking about it a lot, and I did a little informal survey on my um, nerd Facebook page, and just asked people <laughs> what what scared them, if anything, about the idea of working with infants and toddlers. Because um, I think we probably have good people who could make that transition yeah. if they could just feel a little bit more comfortable with it themselves. So, so one thing is biting that always comes up when we talk about working with toddlers. So I want to ask you to what you might say to, to, to address someone's fears about working with children who might bite each other. Do you want to start Katrina? Sure. Um, I have She's a the lot most of recently experience. in the classroom. So <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I, have, I have a lot of experience with children who bite because um, having worked as the lead teacher, it was sort of top down. It was always kind of said indirectly or directly to me like this child has some quote unquote issues. You will be the child's primary because you have more education, blah, 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 blah. You're going to be this child's um, main person in the classroom. And yay, right? Yay. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm one of the, I'm I'm a contradiction because I, I really do enjoy working with children who quote unquote have those issues. And typically it's children who bite and, I love um, kind of having those conversations with parents about, you know, you know, the types of biting that children do. It's not all aggression. Sometimes it's that feeling that they just want to get so close to you because they, they want to love on you. And the, the best way they can do that is to taste you and to <laughs> like, oh, just, yeah, latch yeah, on. And they call that love biting and, you know, the idea of, um, even just the lack of words and how mm-hmm. biting is such an effective communicating tool to say, don't touch that, that's mine, I'm not ready, get out of my space. Mm-hmm. And I, I, it's just so rewarding to work with children and to kind of understand where they are in their development. Um, I get really 
and it's apropos for the show, but I get very nerdy about brain development and all that she background. Does. Yeah. And there's this quote by um, David Stone, I think. He wrote the book about difficult conversations, and he often talks about how um, with humans, anger is just the manifestation of a need that's not being met. And so it becomes a puzzle. It's almost like a mystery when mm. a child is biting out of aggression and to try to understand, like, hey, buddy, what is it that you're not needing? Mm-hmm. What is it that you're not getting from the situation mm-hmm. from the classroom? And understanding that and kind of giving those tools to the parents and other caregivers in the classrooms, it's it's rewarding. And oftentimes, you'll see it in the child, too, when you sit down with them, even with toddlers, when you sit down with them and you say, I understand why you bit your friend. He was in your space and he took that train from you and it was very important. The look on their face is almost like, you get me. <laughs> you really yeah. get me. Like, you're not totally. antagonizing yeah. me. I'm not just the bad kid here because I did that. Like, you understand why I did that. And I often tell the story of a friend of or my little, I call them my friends, my little friend who used to bite and after we worked on his biting and kind of understanding the root cause of that behavior, um, he became almost one of the caregivers for chil- for the younger children that came into the classroom who were getting bit. Even when he was the one doing the biting, he would be the oh, first we, one. We to... tell that story, right? That's yeah. the story that's in the curriculum. There's yes, an, a, yes. a, um, Katrina is one of our educator voices in the critical competencies. And she tells that story. And we, with our, our lead author, Kathy Reschke, Katrina really designed the, a way for the teachers in the training to consider that experience and how it could inform what they do. And, um, and I think what Kathy would bring to this moment, if she, if she was here, is say to us, like, what Katrina was just talking about is the curiosity we encourage for teachers of, of infants and toddlers and to recognize that biting is communication and then instead of just moving to that emotional reactive response, which is normal, right? We, right. we want to fix things right away and it's really uncomfortable to not have the answers, but yeah. to try to pause and be curious, it changes our perspective. And then if I go back to that dance metaphor that we talked about in the last the last call is that it was a, it's the um, it's our step in that next step in the dance that we teach the child is what Katrina said is that if you're curious and try to figure it out they're going to be their response is wow someone's paying attention and understands me mm-hmm. and that's a whole different experience than getting shamed or punished um, mm-hmm. and thinking it's about me doing something wrong then someone got it. They understood what I was experiencing. And so it's all about our perspective in those moments, too. And anybody who comes into the field, I know we often come in young, Heather, like you were 19. I did, too. And it's hard. We don't always have that perspective-taking ability. But if we can encourage it in each other, I think it changes what happens for babies and for us. Because now we've solved a puzzle versus reprimanded or shamed a child. And that feels better for us. 
Yeah, and I, I think one of the stressful things about biting is thinking about all the conversations you're going to have to have with adults about what happened, whether it's your colleagues or the parent or the parent of the other child. And I, I think if, you, if you're looking at it the way you guys have described it, then you really have an opportunity to advocate for your own expertise in those conversations mm-hmm. with families yeah. because you can talk about all the things you're doing to solve it instead of just... Well, yeah. we're trying to figure it out or, yeah. you know, or some, you know, I've often heard, you know, we can't really do anything here. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, think I, I often, it's, it's a lot of opportunity. Yeah. I often talk about the parallel with parents about, I understand like why you're upset because it, it, it's so primal. Somebody's mouth was on your baby. Like when you think, like when they recognize that, hey, that upset me too that stirred emotions in me too when I saw that happen um because on the flip side I've had children who were always getting bit they you know they just gravitate to the biter and the bitey always just gravitate towards each other and I I often will talk about how they're friends and they're they're managing space they're managing that dance with each other, they're learning how to dance with each other in this relationship, and it doesn't always, there's, you know, it's complicated, relationships are complicated, and it's not always smooth sailing, but I always, I often talk about, too, about your child is genuinely loved, because children are going out of their way to be close to them. Because it's true, you can't bite someone if you're far away from them. You're, you're, it's very intimate. Biting. Yeah, it is. It is. I, but I, I, I mean, I think you're right, and I think your point about the stress around how am I going to explain this again to my director or to my the parents when they come in, and it's happened multiple times. It that is hard, and I just I, I think the message I would give to anyone listening is. What I learned early on as a teacher of children with significant challenging behaviors mm-hmm. and lots of hitting, not just biting going on, is, is to really empathize with the parent and, just, and like Katrina said, say, I get it. I'm not comfortable either, but I am on it, and I am working every day to figure it out. Mm-hmm. And we also know this happens at this age, and because of the issues we talked about earlier communication challenges for the child, strong emotions. We didn't bring up the importance of regulation in this conversation today is that children are learning how to deal with, recognize and deal with emotion. And so when that's, I mean, think about when you have a powerful emotion and you don't know what to do with it, you're regulating in that moment as an adult. Babies don't have that yet. They still have the emotion, but they don't have the regulation. And so they're expressing it, and um, and that's part of what happens at this age. No matter the child, it's going. It happens in some way. So, yeah. But, uh, so, um, thank you. That was great. You <laughs> convinced me to work. With you. <laughs> so, another one that I got a lot of. I mean, I think we kind of addressed in the last episode um, the things that we can do during feeding and diapering. And, and the way we might, um, so I'm not going to revisit that here, but another response I got was that I can't do activities with babies and toddlers oh, like no. I can with older children. So I'd ask yeah. you to, to address that one next. Can I start this time, Katrina? <laughs> I, I would say, I would say that actually 
when we think it's it's how we're defining activities and, and I won't try to break it down too much, but I would say there there are lots of quote unquote activities that you're doing. You just have to we might not recognize them that way. One of the things in infant toddler curriculum is that routines are actually the activities in some ways. So, you know, the diapering that Katrina was talking about earlier and the relationship moments that were happening there, the feeding opportunities, those are those are in some ways the activities. And if we think about meeting children's developmental goals, it's during those routines that that we can really engage with them. Um, but we can also do activities. We just it's it's honestly I think it is it's similar to preschoolers in that we should be following their lead and what they're interested in. Um, so it's not so different. I think We've applied a lot of what happens in traditional elementary level schooling to preschoolers, and I think that's a whole other conversation of inappropriate developmental practice. But if, but with, so with, let's not push that down on babies and and learn from what we do with babies for preschoolers. Follow the children's interests. Um, and and pull out lots of loose parts and materials that will be that's the activity sticky paper and they're touching it with their hands and attaching feathers or things like that um, those are things that children can pretty quickly engage with on floor time with us and that is an activity to me mm -hmm. I would I would start by saying yeah and we we talk a little bit about um, kind of these cognitive discoveries in our cognitive area modules as well and how we talked about even the the behavior when children put things in their mouths. It's not because they want you to disinfect it at the end of the day. It's actually because they're learning and their mouth is the very first um, organ that really has those senses activated and kind of sending those neural pathways to the brain. Um, and it's just, it, to me, the, the joy, one of the joys of working with infants and toddlers is how everything is new. They, they look at, you know, those um, things that have liquid in them and they change colors when you move them side to side and their fascination when they see it. And it, it really kind of brings you back to that idea of, because sometimes we take for granted what we know and we forget the learning journey that we took. And it kind of humbles you to see, like, oh, you've never. I, I, um, so, again, I, I live in California, and we're experiencing severe drought. Um, one of the kids from my classroom before stepped outside, and it was drizzling a little bit. And he turned to his mom. He was two years old at that time. He turned to his mom, and he's like, what is it? It's wet. <laughs> it's wet. And it kind of. I, it made me realize, like, you've never seen rain before. <laughs> you've never experienced rain before. Like, this is rain. You're going through it for the first time. And it's like wow. those simple joys and simple kind of discoveries that it's, it's fascinating. I, it's I really do think that our own, um, our own agendas get in the way and we don't see even if it's just surviving the day, that might be our, our agenda for the day, but we don't, <laughs> we don't then, we're not slowed down enough to see the joy and the, the firsts and um, what's really happening when they are shaking a rattle or um, 
sticking their nose against the window or any of those things that we probably see every day. Yeah. Um, I, I, so I and de- and de- yeah, and developmentally, like the opportunities are there. Like if you look at the critical competencies, it's through interactions that we children gain and move forward in their development. So if you're interacting with a baby who's seeing rain for the first time, their brains are lighting up with the, the sense of the feeling of that rain. And you can name that for them. And like Katrina did, like you, you're experiencing rain for the first time. Can you imagine that baby's brain just <laughs> lit up with neural connections? And the emotions that then came up, you're feeling really happy. Um, and like, I think that they're the most joyous group of humans on our earth, our toddlers actually. And so they will find, like Katrina said, joy in anything. And and if you are able to just interact with them in the critical competencies sort of help you to make the connection, I guess, to let go of those worries that you have to introduce something that makes their brain make a connection. Mm-hmm. They're going to find them. And if you look at the critical competencies, it will help you to see that that's, that is it. It's okay. Follow their lead, and you will find a way to – that. they will lead you in the way that builds their brain. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I want to just do a quick plug um, for – for folks who are listening and thinking, okay, yeah, but I have to have a lesson plan form posted, mm-hmm. um, yeah. that I, I do have a form that I, that I've developed and it's available on the Playvolution HQ site, or I can send it to you that I think can work really well for that, um, that infant toddler struggle. So if anyone's listening and loved what Kristen and Katrina just said, and want me to help you kind of walk through how to put that on a planning form. Um, send me an email or get on the Facebook page and we can do that. Um, I think we have time for one more if you guys have time for one more. Um, So the other thing is people get uncomfortable because the toddlers and babies can't talk back to them. So they, Mm -hmm. that interaction is, is sort of uh, intimidating, I think for some folks. Um, In fact, I, I had one like, uh, an adult looking at the toddler in the face, eye level, doing it all right, and then saying, how do you do this, Heather? <laughs> like, they, were talking, oh, wow. they, they don't, I don't, I don't know how to do this. And I'm, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so how would you help somebody with that fear? Or well, I think, I, I think that there's, it's, it's a matter again of that curiosity. And first of all, recognizing that they do have the capacity for communication. So later, verbal language comes after the development of receptive language. So I would say to them, they really do understand a lot of what you're saying. This is probably a familiar space. So, you know, they're getting what you're saying. And then to recognize the power of gestures and eye gaze and pointing that many babies and toddlers will use at this age to communicate um, from a very, very early age, that that shared um, focus on particular activities or objects. It's, It's a matter of that curiosity and discovering what are the things that they are communicating to you, even as you're staring right there at them. Um, And, and, and to trust that they've, again, it's, it's the reciprocity, the back and forth of the dance that they're looking to do with you. And and from a very early stage, they're re- they recognize that that's how it works. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that would that might be where I begin. Yeah, I think, and people probably do that all the time with infants and toddlers, but just don't give themselves credit for what they're doing. Like that shared mm-hmm. attention, yeah. that noticing what you're looking at and then talking about it, maybe mm-hmm. something that you just do so often that you don't 
attribute the importance that's really there, but you're really doing a wonderful thing <laughs> and you're communicating yeah. in that moment and you're modeling the give and take of conversation that will come later. Yeah. I mean, I remember working with when I was a consultant in the infant toddler room and um, it was early morning and there was this little little baby, Jamal, and he was brand new, month, just months old. And um, we were communicating simply by him pushing his feet against my hand as he was on like a, 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 a foam block, like a foam plane. Mm-hmm. What's the right word? Like a triangle. I can't think of the right word, Cora, right now. Thank you. An incline. <laughs> and yeah, we call those. <laughs> we were just trying to give him a place to move. And, and how we communicated was between my hand and his feet. So he, he pushed against me and I gave him a, a solid place to push against. And he moved himself just a tiny bit forward. And I just kept following. And as, as his feet moved, my hand moved. And that was communication. And that was a back and forth dialogue in a way. So it's also rec- just recognizing that there's more than verbal communication as a way to communicate with babies. Yeah. And we, we talk about that in the language and literacy area of the curriculum, and we talk about how um, language, like verbal language may not be there, but communication is definitely there. Even the way they look at you kind of look at where you're looking, look back at you. These are all communication. And and studies have shown that it's actually these nonverbal cues that are so much more impactful in building relationships. That's why sometimes it's um, they talk about how people can get very aggressive in email because they don't see the other person. You don't see the affect of... What the person's mm. response is when you say, why didn't you get this to me yet? <laughs> yeah. they, you don't see that, but you're not going to be able to say that. I mean, I guess some people can, but um, to, to actually say that in person to someone, it's so much harder because you can kind of see body language and all those nonverbal mm. cues. And um, with babies and toddlers, it's, it's, it's all of that. It's all nonverbal cues and kind of how is my body language, what message am I sending if I am standing up talking down to the baby instead of being right at Mm -hmm. their level and conversing with them instead of just around them, talking to other adults, and then the babies just happen to be there. Mm -hmm. I mean, what what message is that sending this child? And um, I really think working with infants and toddlers make you a better person because it really <laughs> develops empathy and that perspective taking. Uh-huh. That's really, that's a really interesting perspective. <laughs> I, I think I agree. I just had never um, articulated it that way, but that's great. I, you know, I think that's really one of the things I love the most about the whole, uh, the creative or the critical competencies is that not only is there a lot that people can learn, but they're going to also be validated by a lot of this stuff too. The things you already yeah. do that you maybe don't assign an intentionality to yet. And then you, mm-hmm. you see that it's a good thing. And so you keep doing it. And I think that's one of the, the biggest impacts I think that it can make for someone who goes mm-hmm. through that. Um, 
Okay, well, do either of you have any last thoughts you want to send out to people who are listening? I think you just cued us to the best one for me, um, Heather, is that to trust that if they're, uh, if they're paying attention to babies and learning who they are, that they are probably doing so many things that research tells us are the right things to do. And that that, and, and, and that, so congratulations. If you are a person who cares about babies and pays attention to them and is striving every day, um, you are probably achieving your goal. The, the critical competencies, I would say, read them because it will help you to do just what Heather said, is to recognize that there's research behind what you're doing and then do it more. Do it more and you'll, you'll just you'll succeed in your goals for babies and make this world a better place. So thank you. So I will now do the shameless plugging. <laughs> we are, um, Kristen and I really joined Zero to Three, the organization, because we were so passionate about our work with infants and toddlers, and we wanted to take it to that next level of understanding. And, you know, she and I often talk about how we can't even believe we work here because <laughs> this was the place we referenced, or this was the organization that um, really kind of guided us through our work in the classroom. So for those of you listening who are in that journey, please do visit our website. It's www.0to3.org. We have tons of resources and professional development offerings that can support what you do, what you will do, and your experiences in the classroom. And we also have resources for parents as well. Yeah. I just was on the other day trying to find some resources for a mom who was emailing me with some some struggles and I just I yeah. constantly constantly am impressed. Um and I'm not just saying that Thank because you. you work there. Yeah. <laughs> we have the it's amazing. We're also launching the critical competencies parent brochures as well. So oh, those are That's great. Too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're really cool. In the bookstore. Great. Well, yeah. thank you both so much for taking time to talk with me and to everyone who's listening for being here for these two episodes. I have really enjoyed this recording session. <laughs> me too. Thank you for inviting <laughs> us, Heather. Sorry to be done, but we're done. Yeah. So, thanks, everybody. Let's find listening. another topic. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you think you're kidding, but you don't know what you just done. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening. I hope you'll come again for another episode of That Early Childhood Nerd. And that's the show. Now go get your nerd on.